Praise God. Turn to somebody and say, you better get on the ball. Amen. You better get on the ball. It's, it's revival time. Amen. I said it's revival time. Praise God. You have your Bibles. Open with me to the book of Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm going to read beginning in verse number 1. Brother Tilly, it's good to have you in service tonight. God bless you for being here. And all of you other good folks, thank you for being here tonight. Nehemiah chapter 6. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall. When they heard that revival had broken out in Greater Life Church and that there was no breach left therein, there was a spirit of unity. Amen. There was no breach therein. There was no break. There were no schism. Though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. I'm taking a little liberty tonight. But that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. That ought to tell you something right there. Any town, any place called Ono, you need to stay away from. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Everybody said amen. For a subject tonight, I pose this question. What's the use? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what's the use? You ever get to feeling that way? When everything that can go wrong goes wrong, and everything that can come against you comes against you, you feel like you're being assaulted on every side. You ever wonder what's the use? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. When I look about and I see what the Lord has been doing in our midst over the last few weeks, I am very grateful and I am thankful for the hand of God that has been in our midst Amen. We are truly blessed tonight, church. Amen. We are truly blessed tonight. And there is a lingering presence of the Lord that just goes from one service to the next, even from one prayer meeting to the next. Yesterday morning, several gathered here for early prayer, and I will tell you that the same powerful presence that was here Sunday night was here Yesterday morning at 6 o'clock as we begin to pray. Amen. And it's, it's here tonight, the presence of the Lord and the powerful touch of God is felt in this building even tonight. 
I am reminded that truly the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and they do not take away. That's what is so wonderful about the Lord is that he always intends to increase my life. Now there are others that have other ideas and they have other plans, but whatever God plans for my life is for my good and it is to bring blessing and increase into my life. And I believe it is by faith and I believe it is by a lot of prayer and a lot of pains that we have come to the place that we are tonight. It doesn't happen by accident. I believe that there are people that have been praying and I believe there has been a faith that has been rising in the hearts of people and there is a great deal of effort that goes into making church what it ought to be and I'm thankful for all of that. When I consider that, I have been drawn tonight to our text because of the similarities that I see in what Nehemiah faced and what Nehemiah did and what we are facing and what we are attempting to do. If you want a picture of the rage of an enemy when revival comes to God's people, You will find it when you read the first few chapters of the book of Nehemiah. Here is the picture of an enemy that has been enraged by what he has seen happening in the progress of a city and in the progress of people that have been torn apart and divided. They are brought together and you see in the work of God's hand through these people an effort made by the enemy to stop that and to bring it to a halt. And I see a parallel. The devil doesn't like what's been happening around this church. Amen. And if you think for one minute he's going to roll over and play dead, you are crazy. And I know that I shouldn't use that word, but you're out of your mind if you think he's just going to turn away and act like nothing's going on when you rise up and decide, you know what, me and my family are going to have revival. Me and my church are going to have revival. Me and my church are going to see the miraculous. You just get ready. There's going to be something rise to oppose that. Not only is the devil unhappy, but carnal people get unhappy when revival breaks out. Carnal people love dead church. Carnal people, as a matter of fact, you'll notice that the hotter revival gets, the fewer carnal people show up. But the deader church is, it seems like the more carnal people are drawn. Because they don't want life. They don't want anything that moves them out of their carnality. But there's such a parallel between what Nehemiah went through and what he faced in the effort to bring revival and a restoration to God's people and what we are witnessing around here even now. Nehemiah was involved in one of the greatest revivals that ever came to Jerusalem. And that revival was important. It was so important because it reestablished God's purpose and God's plan for his people And that was that Jerusalem would be a hub 
for his power and presence to reside in. But that revival did not come without opposition. The enemies of revival will always show themselves when revival breaks out. And the enemies of revival will resort to anything to kill revival. And when you read the book of Nehemiah, you see all the different ways that they came against Nehemiah. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They ridiculed him. They, they lampooned his efforts trying to discourage him. Then when that didn't work, then they tried to intimidate him. They tried threatening him. They, 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 they tried to make him feel like there were forces out there that were going to bring down uh, what they were doing. And then when that didn't work, they tried to embarrass them by saying that even if they built a wall, that if a mouse leaned on it, it would fall over. And so Nehemiah had all of that, and then he had the nagging criticism of those who went around with their little critique book saying that's not how you build a wall and that's not how revival comes. And and when I saw revival, this is how I saw revival that's always there. There's always somebody that's going to criticize what God is doing and all of the other issues involved. You understand what I'm saying when I tell you that, that, that Nehemiah faced great opposition in his efforts to bring revival to the city of Jerusalem. But what I love about this chapter and I love about the book of Nehemiah and Nehemiah the man is that he stood his ground and he faced his enemy and his foes and the work of God never stopped one time no matter what the opposition was and no matter what was brought against him, the work never ceased. They worked together They did, the Bible said, and because the people had a mind to work, they brought together the walls of Jerusalem and in 52 short days, they had reestablished the perimeter of that city of Jerusalem. Now, folks, that's quite an accomplishment when you consider that it had laid in rubble for months and years and the walls were broken down and people had just gotten used to stepping over the rubbish and all of the, the, the embarrassment of that broken city. And now here's a man who comes in and said, come on folks, God showed me something. God gave me a vision. And he rallies those people and they rebuild the wall and not one time in spite of every effort of the devil did the work stop. Amen. I like that. I like that. You know what I've come to learn? That there's always going to be somebody that's going to try to rain on your parade. And there's always going to be somebody that's going to try to discourage you in your effort to get better. And there's always going to be something that's going to rise up and all they're trying to do is just get you to stop to get you to come down from that high, lofty place that you are in 
trying to do the will of God and trying to build. And Nehemiah, I, I applaud you because you never stopped working on what God had called you to work on. And there was a courage, a holy courage that Nehemiah had. But what impresses me about Nehemiah and what really the Holy Ghost impressed upon me today about him anew was what was that Nehemiah, in the face of all of the distractions, had this relentless focus. He It was like he had blinders. It was like he had turned his hearing aid off. And he couldn't hear the distractors and he couldn't see them. But there was this focused, relentless vision. He never lost sight of what he was there for and what God had called him to do and what I see all that was against him. And I see all of the efforts that were made to discourage him. And when I see all the threats that were made to scare him. And I see all the promises that were made to compromise his stand. And all of the opposition to stop the work. It is amazing that Nehemiah could keep his focus amid all of those distractions. And he could keep his mind clear to keep working and doing what God called him to do. He persevered. Everybody say he persevered. He persevered and was able to finish the work. There's something to be said tonight about the man or the woman that will not stop until the work is finished. Amen. And the work is not finished. But my question tonight to you is this. What was the key to Nehemiah's relentless focus? What was the key to Nehemiah's perseverance? What was the motivation behind this this doggedness that you might call it or this this purpose of mind? What what, what was it? What was the key to his success? How, How did he face the opposition but keep building? How did he face and endure the ridicule but keep building? How did he get through all of the stuff that was thrown at him but keep building? How did he manage all of the chaotic conditions that were around him? How in the world did he deal with all that was being thrown at him And yet in spite of all of that, he just kept right on working. He kept right on building. He kept right on encouraging. He kept right on saying it's going to be done. We're going to see it happen. We're going to rebuild this wall. We're going to bring it together again. How in the world did all of that, how did he navigate that? And then above all of that, not just the enemy that was on the outside, but you can only imagine what was going on on the inside with all of his people hearing what the enemy was saying. And Nehemiah seems to be the only one really pumped up and excited about it anyway. And so he's having to deal with the fickleness of, of these people that are back here saying, well, well you know, Nehemiah, you, you, you might ought to go out there and see what they, they might have a good idea. They, they might really want to help us. 
And here he is having to deal with all of that that's behind him and everything that's around him and everything that's before him. But Nehemiah never loses his focus. He never loses his purpose. He never loses his energy. He just keeps going, 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 going. Anybody identifying it? He just like that ever-ready batter. just keeps going and going and going and going. How did he do that? How did he navigate all of the fickleness of men's loyalties? And how did he manage to keep his composure during all of that upheaval, the disruptions, the distractions, the disturbances, all of the things that had happened? How did he do it? I think the secret to the powerful mission that Jeremiah accomplished is found in his own words. And I want to take you back to them in chapter 6, verse number 3. Because in his own words, you find the key to his relentlessness. You find the key to his perseverance. You find the key to his faith. You find the key to his energy. You find the key to his single-mindedness. And it's found when you read these words. He said, I cannot come because I am doing a great work. Think about that. I am doing a great work. That's how he prefaced his statement to these men that were trying to talk him down and discourage him. I like the way Nehemiah describes what he is a part of. He said, I am involved in something great. Not something mediocre. Not something average. I'm not just involved in another building program. I'm not just involved in another church. I'm involved with a great church. I'm involved with a great mission. I'm involved with a great family. You see, what he was involved in was his life. And listen to me. The way that you see what you are doing will affect the quality of the work that you produce. If you just see a family, you're not going to be too inspired to want to help that family. But if you see a great family, if you see a great church, if you see a great home, a great marriage, great kids, it's going to change your perspective. It's going to change your attitude. It will change the way you go about living your life. And the key to to, to Nehemiah and his success in Nehemiah is found in his vision. He said, I am involved in a great work. I am doing a great work. I want to ask you, Greater Life Church, what are you involved in tonight? What are you engaged in tonight? Maybe the reason we lack the success that we need in our lives sometime 
is because the way we look at our lives, it's just another service. It's just another day. It's just another need. It's just another problem. When the truth is, if we would start looking at our family like Nehemiah looked at Jerusalem and the job that God had given him and said, you know what? I've got a great job to do today. I've got a great family to work with today. I've got a great church I need to be involved in today. It would change everything about our life. Amen. It will affect the, the, the outcome. The quality of our efforts will be determined by our attitude toward what we are doing. Did you get that? The quality of my effort will be determined by the attitude that I have toward what I am doing. It will affect the determination in which you do it with. It will affect the spirit and the faith in which you operate. I like what he said, a great work. Everybody say it with me. A great work. A great work. A great work. I want that word to jump out at your mind and just wrestle your head down and put, I'd like to take it like a hammer and a nail and drive it so deep and bend it over and break it off so that when you get up in the morning and you look at your family, you don't just see a bunch of knot-headed kids or you don't see a husband that's hard-headed or a wife that's rebellious, but when you wake up in the morning, you look at a family and you say, you know what, that's a great family right there. That's a great family right there that's a great wife right there that's a great husband right there those are great kids right there the reason we have mediocrity in our families is because we got mediocrity in our mind and until we change our attitude of mind about our marriages and about our relationships and about our homes and about our future and about our jobs, we're going to have mediocrity in our life. You want inspiration, you just look around and realize that you've got a great opportunity. Hallelujah. A great opportunity. What he was involved in was not something of no consequence. It was not an insignificant matter. It was not some trivial, unimportant, irrelevant, minor affair. It was the most important thing on the face of the earth. And because he had that kind of attitude, no lie could talk him down off of the wall. No deception could talk him down off of the wall. No force or fear could talk him down off of the wall. Why? Because I'm involved in a great work. And when you've got a great work in your heart, there is nothing on the outside that can tear that out of your soul. Somebody say it with me, a great work. What do you think of your family tonight? Do you have a good family or do you have a great family? Brother Hughes, I don't know if I ought to be bragging. You ought to brag. Nobody else is going to. 
And the truth is it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If you don't start thinking that you've got a great family, all you're going to have is a bunch of hell on earth. Amen. I have a great church. Amen. Oh, yeah, this is a great church. It's not just a good church. It's not just a church. It's a great church. And you know what? When you get to thinking like that, it affects everything you do. It affects how you sing when you get on the platform. It affects how you play when you get on an instrument. It affects how you act when you sit on a pew. It affects how you go about doing the things of God when you realize this is a great church. This is a great place to be. This is a great house to be in tonight. This is a great opportunity. When I do that, it changes my attitude. It changes my outlook. It changes my spirit. It makes a world of difference in my life when I realize this is a great church to be involved in. Hallelujah. Amen. I didn't say it was perfect. I said it was great. Amen. Somebody said it's great. How do you feel about what you're engaged in tonight? Whether that's your personal life, your family's, your future, or your own spiritual progress. How do you feel about the work you're doing? How you feel will affect your performance. Amen. Let me stop here and make some declarations tonight. Building a home is a great work. I want to say that again. The building of a home is a great work. The building of a church is a great work. The building of a family is a great work. The building of a life is a great work. The building of a future is a great work. Amen. Somebody say it with me. It's a great work. It's a great work. Nehemiah said, I am doing a great work. I don't have time to fool with you. I'm not afraid of the snipers either. Because I'm involved in a great work. The reason that Nehemiah was so successful in facing all of the things that was against him was the simple fact that he was involved in not a good work, but a great work. The reason that he was able to do what he did, a great work, calls for great effort. A great work calls for great faith. A great work calls for great worship. A great work calls for great prayer. A great work calls for great singing. A great work calls for great involvement. A great work calls for my very best. Amen. When you begin to look at your life in that perspective, you'll stop settling for the cheap lies of the enemy that tell you that you're a mistake or you're just a piece of trash or you're a failure or you're a nobody. When you start believing that you're involved in a great work, even if it's your own life, 
you will stop giving in to the cheap imitation. You don't have to be sold out. You don't have to be that narrow-minded. You don't have to be that committed. You don't have to be that faithful. I'm here to tell you, yes, you do. Because it's a great work. And a great work calls for great commitment. And a great work calls for great faith. And a great work calls for an attitude that is sold out 100%. Why? Because this is a great work that I'm involved in. Hallelujah. When you start to believe that, you won't buy the cheap offers that tell you that you're too narrow-minded. You don't have to be that narrow-minded to have revival. You know what, folks? If I wanted to, the bookstore, I found one not long ago. It has a book that's full of sermons for 52 weeks out of the year. I wouldn't even have to study. I could go fish every morning and play golf in the afternoon and eat chicken at night. That's what some people think preachers do. I could do all that and just go in there and pull up in that book. Or right now you can put it on your computer and just print it out. But I don't do that, folks, and I'm not bragging tonight, but you've never had a canned sermon as long as I've been here. Why? Because this church deserves better than that. I'm not coming in here dead and lifeless because this is a great church and you deserve a great word of God. And I'm telling you tonight, I'm not ever going to compromise on that. I'm going to give you my very best every time we come together. Hallelujah. And don't you ever come in here with anything less than your best because this is a great job. This is a great work. Hallelujah. Even on a Wednesday night. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Eddie, for running the aisles on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Why? Because this is a great church. Why are you acting like this? Because this is a great church. It's not just some church. It's not just a church. It's just not just another church. This is a, a great church. Hallelujah. Amen. The quality of your efforts will be decided by the attitude you have toward your work. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but I read it. It sounds true, but in the Depression... There was a group of men that were put to work to help them. And they were put to work by the government of all people building roads. And for a time, every day when the men would come, they would come singing. They worked heartily and they worked long hours. But the further they progressed in the building of this road, the more they became aware that it wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't going anywhere. That all the government was trying to do was just keep them busy and feed them. And they said that as they began to realize that they were building a road to nowhere, the singing stopped. They became listless and lazy. They quit showing up to do their job. Why? Because a road to nowhere is a hard road to build. 
And folks, you and I are not any different. If we're not careful, we can let the attitude of the world, which is what does it matter? What's the use? I'm going to tell you what the use is. It's a great work. If you need that question answered, I'm going to give you the answer to it tonight. The reason you need to put that best effort you've got is because it's a great work. The reason you need to get on your knees and pray is because it's a great work. The reason you need to travail before God for your family because it's a great work. The reason you don't need to give up on your kids is because it's a great work. It's a great work. It's a great work. It's a great work. Amen. 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 Because it's a great work, it deserves my best. Everybody say my best. The highest quality of effort. The focus of my attention and purpose. The perseverance of my will. The determination of my mind. And the focus of my energy. Why? Because it's a great work. Let me ask you a question one more time. What do you see when you look at your family? You just see... You just see chaos and confusion and dissension and division and griping and belly aching? Or do you see a great family? They're great. They may not be right now, but they're still great. And they're not ever going to be any more than you see them being. Amen. That's why kids grow up to be hardheads and knotheads, because that's what we tell them a lot. You're just a knothead. Amen. I'm meddling a little bit. I don't know why I said all that, but I'm just here to tell you, you better be careful what you say to your kids because they'll grow up to be what you tell them. And you better be careful what you say about your spouse because your spouse will live in to what you say about them. Amen. The determination of the will and the mind. What do you see when you look at this church? When you look at Greater Life Church, what do you see? I like that. What, what do you see? A great church. That's what I'm trying to get at. A great church. What do you see when you look at yourself? You're a great person. That's right, brother buddy. You're great because God made you that way. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not a piece of trash. You're not garbage to be expelled on the side of the highway. I don't care what your idiosyncrasies are. God made you that way. And you need to find a way to bring all that under the hand of God and say, God, whatever you call me to be, whatever you made me to be, let me live up to it and let me become what you said I can become. Let me make a difference in the world that I live in. Hallelujah. What do you see when you see your marriage? What do you see when you see your spouse? Oh, come on. You're about to get the hang of it. I know some of you were choking on those words. But say it more and more and it will become fluent. You know what we need tonight? We need somebody that has enough faith to believe that it's a great work. We need the attitude that says, you know what? This deserves my best. We need someone who has the vision to see that this is a great work and the attitude will be rewarded greatly because what Nehemiah saw, God fulfilled. It's a great work. 52 days, the walls were put back together. 
In 52 days, the city had been unified one more time. And revival came. A great work in the face of great antagonism. What's the use? It's a great work. That's what the use. Amen. Our kids are worth it, church. I don't care if they are rebellious sometimes. Amen. Our kids are worth it. Our church is worth it. I said our church is worth it. Your future is worth it. My future is worth it. Our homes are worth it. Amen. What you can do when you make up your mind that it's a great work. When you can get hold of a Nehemiah-like heart, you know that something is going to happen. When you get hold of a Nehemiah heart, then you know what you have to do. I have to do my best. And you know where you have to do it in the face of great opposition. But you know also that you're doing it in the presence of God. And God is the deciding factor. Hallelujah. So what are you involved in? Amen. What are you working toward? A great work. What takes the heart out of people, listen to me, are not problems. What takes the heart out of people are not the problems that we face, but the attitude about what we are involved in. Amen. Amen. The secret to Nehemiah's success Throw it back up there, six and three. He said, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave this and come down to you? Amen. And so he kept on working. God, saturate our mind with those words, a great work, a great work, a great work. And when you start to ingest that, it'll change the attitude that you deal with your problems on a daily, daily basis. Amen. It'll, it'll change the way you interact with your family. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> it'll change the way you interact with the church family. This is a great church. Amen. This is a great church. This is a great church. Amen. You know what? I want you to make it a habit every time you talk to somebody in the next few weeks or months or for the rest of eternity until the Lord comes. This is a great church. Amen. I promise you, you're going to say that to somebody and they're going to, what's so great about this church? Well, you know what's so great about this church? You are. Because you have potential. And God made you for this time. That's why this church is great. You want to take the sting out of their schism and, and out of their sour attitude? You, you, you want to you make them take their breath? Well, yeah, I guess that's right. Change your attitude about it, and it'll change other people's. This is a great church. Amen. Amen. I said this is a great church. This is a great church. Amen. You're great people. Praise God. You're great people. 
All right, let's stand. You've stood about as much of it as you can stand. Amen. How did he do it? He did it because it was a great work. Everybody say it with me. A great work. You need to think that way about your family. You need to think that way about your spouse. You need to think that way about your church, about your future. Amen. A great work. And I cannot come down. I cannot compromise my position. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in to this watered down mess that's floating around. Amen. I'm just not going to do it. I still believe revival comes to the hungry heart. Amen. 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 And listen, folks, the only way, only way I can explain it to you is if God sends revival to, let me just say, a denominal church down the street and he doesn't send it here, it's because they were more hungry for it than we were. It didn't have anything to do with the fact that they don't stand for anything. God's revival is not sent by that basis. If God sent revival, it's because somebody somewhere got hungry enough to say, you know what, this is a great work and it deserves my best effort and it deserves my best praise and it deserves my best prayers and it deserves my best service and it deserves my best energy. It deserves the very best that I can give because it's a great work. Amen. The attitude in which we approach life will determine the quality of what we get out of it. If you're satisfied being mediocre, mediocre, or however you say that, if you're satisfied being average, go ahead and be average. But my Bible tells me I can be great. My Bible tells me this church can be great. My Bible tells me that God designed it to be great. Amen. And so when I begin to look at it like that, it changes the way I approach it. It changes the way I deal with it. Amen. Some of you have <clears throat> have shoes that you work in the garden in. Anybody have those kind of shoes or mow the grass? You got any of those kind of shoes? You just go put them on. They've got grass stains and mud on them. You reserve it for that. You go put on your best suit. And you put on your finest tie, men. And you get on your best shirt. And you get all dressed up. You're not going to go looking for those yard shoes to wear to church. You're going to go looking for those Stacy Adams. <laughs> I'm dating myself now. You, you're going to go looking for those nice shoes why because the occasion calls for it that's why I believe when we come to church we ought to look the best we can if you have one shirt and one pair of pants you just make sure they're ironed and creased every time you come amen that's right you got one pair of socks make sure you keep them washed clean amen Why? Because it deserves my best. 
And whatever my best is, that's what I want to give. I'm tired of sloppy church and sloppy agape. I want somebody that will be so baptized with what I'm talking about tonight. Ah, yes, 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 yes. I'm not saying we've been sloppy. I'm just saying when you look around at the world and you see how the world is going, I'm sick of that. God deserves better than that. Give him your best. Turn to somebody and say, it's a great work. Come on, it's a great work. Say it again. Say it out loud. It's a great work.